Hello and welcome to Pals Pulls. This is the Comics Pals Weekly Show where we talk about everybody's favorite thing, comics. I am your host, Sean, joined by Kale. What's up, sluts? That's different. Uh, Tyler. Who, who is this? Who is this guy? I thought. Uh, Which guy? Uh, me guy? Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was pointing down, but I guess you don't have the context for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is I. It is I. Uh, I am not my cousin, Bean. I am not uh, a uh, clone. It's really me. Our exalted leader has returned. <laughs> oh man, I could I could do with some more uh, some more I flowery mean, words. I know. was getting used to the hosting. I'll be honest. Well, that's funny because I was about to take it off of you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been gone one more show. <laughs> I'm sick of this. <laughs> yeah, what boy? Once I heard that music playing, you guys in, I knew I was going too long. We- we got off the show and we said, Sean is going to be pissed. <laughs> I found it relaxing and there was good feedback from it. So maybe yeah, we don't need to start. Sure. We, don't need, we, didn't need, we don't need the to, algorithm yeah. will. Uh... We don't need to stoke Marco's ego even when he's not on the show. That's the last thing he needs. You're right. Yeah. What we all need this week is a good dose of comics. And we've got five big books. How many? Talk about five. We've got Birds of Prey, number one. Cacaw. Hotly anticipated. Number one, I would say. Batman 137. I am so glad to be holding a non-Night Terrors Batman book. Bro, you don't even know. When I was looking at my polls this week, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yes. The I saw Suzanne back deal. on there. I'm like, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> we got Sacrificers number two on the docket. Immortal X-Men number 15. How could we miss it? And the listener pick of the week, X-Men 26. Who would have thunk it? That's not even the slutty variant. I know. So um, I actually have COVID, and mm-hmm. I was not able to go no. to the shop to get my books. And so someone in my life helped me with that. So uh, and so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have. I didn't have my pick of the litter. I'm just being safe. Yeah, trust me. It's. Uh, I understand it. Let's get into. Birds of Prey. That, that gag doesn't work one. for podcasts, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, one day you'll figure this thing out, Tyler. Um, <laughs> this is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero. That is a uh, that is a familiar creative team, is it not, Tyler? Yeah. Didn't le- yeah. They did a Hawkeye uh, together, yes. the Kate Bishop oh, yeah, uh, yeah. book. Yeah, very, right. very, very, very good run. Yeah. Colors by Jordi Belair. And uh, Clayton Cowles on the letters. You know, I have never read a Birds of Prey book before. Um, It just never was something that struck my fancy. And I don't even know. I don't know if I was reading comics when the Gail Simone run was published. I'm not sure. Certainly wasn't interested in in, in it at the time. I I believe it started. It was ending right when you would have started because you and I started around the same time. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so I have no familiarity with this team, but of course you don't need to because everybody knows every character in this book. It's made that way. Um, this is very, very much a set the team up issue as we learn that Black Canary's sister, Sin, 
uh, something is going on with her and they need to assemble a team to help her out, to save her. Uh, we don't know who took her or where she is, and that's kind of the running mystery throughout the issue. Um, but it's really just her going around and sort of building this team. And I have to say, in comparison to the two issues of most recent memory that did a similar thing, which were Avengers number one and Titans number one, I think this was the best. I think this was the best. Yeah, this... I will be the first person to complain about that, and I a thousand percent agree with you. I think uh, Kelly played with the characters and the dynamics really well. Yeah. It felt yeah. more like a, almost like a fun heist movie in terms of like the quick pace it introduced these characters. And it wasn't trying to find convoluted ways to, you know, get, you know, Black Canary to see. No, she just went to them. Like, she was just recruiting them right away. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's straightforward. I was, I was even surprised when it ended. Like I, I was having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it I think it managed to do a lot of hard things really, really well. Um, establishing the dynamics between the characters, what makes them inherently interesting, but also kind of we started to see the seeds of what makes them interesting with each other, which I yeah. think is difficult to do. Um and also by the end, establishing stakes that really made this feel justifiable. Because at first I was like, all right, well, I kind of feel like they could probably deal with this without putting a team together. Like, how bad could it really be? And by the last page, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty bad. Yeah. It also comes out of left field, too. And it's with the character that I'm familiar with, just not in this setting. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, like, oh, man, I liked everything about this book, to be honest. Yeah. There, there honestly wasn't anything that I, I didn't like. I, I completely agree. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of the, uh, the team that was chosen, like the characters that were chosen for this book. Um, and they run the gamut from too white, you know, too straight, too notable... All those kinds of criticisms. And for me, I'm not I don't come to books for the for the checked boxes. I come for the good story and the good work. And I think the work's being done. And ultimately to me that's what should matter. I don't have any doubts that Kelly Thompson's gonna mix things up. But I think that to launch a book that you want to succeed, you've gotta put your best foot forward. And I think she mentioned either was it our podcast where she mentioned it or or um, somewhere else that this is going to be a rotating cast eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I was, I was, I, also, I just really like these characters too. This is like a weird team, you know. Like only a couple of these characters have been Birds of Prey before in smaller ways. I think Cassie has at one point. Big Barda was for like two issues at one point. Yeah. So there's history, but I I do like this team, and I like how this team is just full of killers. So it's like a weird anti-hero team, too. Yeah. And one that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't think Black Canary is a killer, 
necessarily, but I, I do see her as the type of person who has the head on her shoulders to go, no, this is going to be fucked up and I need people who will get the job done. She's not a killer, but don't push her. Yeah. The whole basis is like, she's like, I need a team that makes people shit their pants. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> it's straightforward. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the, I guess I, I, maybe I had one criticism and maybe I missed a, a reason for this, but um, shouldn't they get like Superman to come help or, you know, Batman to come help or. I, I never really saw black canary as like too tight with those types of people like maybe batman yeah like she's really ollie's it's ollie and then those are ollie's friends in my mind you know she yeah she would probably go to green lantern before yeah 100 percent. yeah i don't think she'd go to wonder woman either yeah i'm i'm sure it'll be something that um comes up uh i don't know I, it's you know it's one of those things you pick, you start to pick at the thread you're gonna unravel the sweater you know you got it you got it uh atomic hound says kelly needs to write the harley quinn book stat now i don't know about that but uh i will say i was not looking forward to harley coming up in the book and her interactions with uh, Batgirl were actually really good. I was very, very surprised at Batgirl's particular uh, POV and the way that Kelly really portrays how and why Harley is so unpredictable. Or how, I guess. Um, So that it's plausible that uh, she would get a couple of really good shots off on Batgirl. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was very worried about how they were going to integrate Harley in a way that made sense. And Kelly Thompson, actually, I thought, really presented a, a great angle for the dynamic between those characters where you know, this new team is being forged and they come to her with all their righteousness and look down on her and tell her like, hey, you know, you could be on our team if you do things right, if you play your cards right. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, wait a second. What makes you think that I want to help you? What makes you think that I want to be involved in this? You're treating me like crap. You came to me. Yeah. Right. I thought that that was a really smart take. And I think it shows that Kelly Thompson was dedicated to Yes, driving sales, because that's the foremost reason why Harley's here. I have no doubt about that. But also to giving us legitimate story reasons for it and making me care about the character's involvement now. I don't care about a Harley Quinn solo book, but I care about her here and now, just like I felt about Deadpool and Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender. Not a Deadpool fan, loved him there. I do like Harley in an ensemble kind of role, not the star either. Like, sure, she can have side characters in her own solo book, but I, a solo ongoing Harley book is never really stuck for me. This yeah. is where I like her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the art's great. Absolutely. Uh, the Romero art is fantastic. I love the fact Kelly Thompson talks a lot about the DeLuca effect 
Uh, and it's she talked about it when when we spoke to her. She does it in every book. Um, every every book that she does, she writes a scene, at least one scene, in that includes the Deluca effect. And for anybody who was unfamiliar, it is this fight scene that I'm holding up right now, uh, oh, which yeah, features, yeah, yeah. yeah, features um, uh, Black Canary and Batgirl fighting off a bunch of you know goons, and it's the idea that. The whole page, the whole double page spread is the whole fight unbroken up by panels. And so you can see the movement of the characters um, in different poses and stances all throughout the double page spread. And I think it's a I mean, it's a fantastic effect. Um, We saw it used in Black Widow, which was great. And I think it was really cool here, too. I thought the Jordy Blair coloring was insane. Um, this it, this uses a very weird color palette. Yeah, yeah, something um, really different. It's yeah. it's a lot of I don't even want to say neons or almost pastels. Um, it's a lot of like the cover is a good indicator of what you're gonna get. It's that weird green. It's you know blues. It's pinks. It's purples. Um, almost like a cyberpunky feel to it without the glow of cyberpunk, but just in the color set. Um, and even like the way it's yeah. colored into, uh, there's a word for it. And Kale, if you know, or if either of you guys know it, it's when the, the color bleeds outside of the lines a bit. Uh, um, it, it, it no, happened in, in original comics because of printing. Is. Printing would do that with the, the shitty quality of paper they had at the time. Printing yeah. would do that. But it's purposeful here. In some of the actual, I think I, I noticed it early on with the the Ollie and 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 Dinah in bed. You can kind of see the colors go a little bit outside the lines, um, which is a really interesting choice. That that almost manufactured imperfectness uh, that I really liked out of this. Hmm. Yeah, I I thought this was great. Uh, I can't wait for the next issue. I'm excited to see how this story unfolds. We're not spoiling the end of the book on purpose. You should go buy it and read it for yourselves so you can, you know, have the same surprise reaction that we did. I think it's very difficult to craft an ending that makes people want to come back for the second issue. And I think this did that, but it didn't just make me want to come back for the second issue. It made me want to see how the whole story is going to resolve. So based on the strength of the creative team and the hook, I'm probably here at least for the first arc. And that is all off the, the the first issue. That's amazing. Hats off. Yeah. I'm here just for the big Barda and uh, uh, Batgirl interaction. Oh, that stuff's fun. Their dynamic was yeah. great. The, the, the one bit, too, that I thought, sorry, I know we're, we're finishing up, but the, the one bit that I thought was great was uh, Cassie trying to tell a story. And I'm like, no, Kelly, Cassie doesn't talk. That was the bit, you know, <laughs> that she's horrible yeah. at it. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. Pick of the week. Yeah, same. Oh, that's not my pick of the week. I oh, think you I will be surprised wait. at what it is. There was a yeah, I there there was a wait. contender for me as well. Well, I'm excited to hear what uh what your contenders were. For sure. If you're excited about this podcast, there are many, many ways that you can support us. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to do that. Uh we like to give you bang for your buck. We've got a newsletter that goes out every single week. I talk about my experience on vacation, uh, the good and the bad of it. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I was away at Disney and Universal Studios. I'll be talking more about that later here on this very show. 
after we get through the reviews, we'll be talking about that. And Tyler and I are going to talk a little bit about the Second City Saint himself, CM Punk. For those of you who are wrestling fans, we'll be talking a little bit about the drama from AEW later on in the show. But over on the Patreon page, sorry, Kill. Let me just get through this real quick. Over on the Patreon page, not only can you get our newsletters, you get access to the book club poll, which right now, uh, the Long Halloween is winning our Halloween edition. So if you want to influence that, maybe vote for something else. Uh, you can do that over on our Patreon page. You also get a nickname and a shout out on our main show, which you can listen to every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. This show live. 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. Speaking of book clubs, our DC Invasion book club went out this past Tuesday. Show that some love. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily a book that um, I was looking forward to talking about, but I think I came away from the conversation feeling like there were some really interesting aspects to it, and it made me think about events a little differently. So. It's a good conversation. Dan says, read it again. Look, he said, you he said you haven't been punished enough. Dan, I gave you one shot. All right? One and only one. It won't happen again. Not at all. And by the way, thank you to everyone who was wishing me a good return. I appreciate that. And if you want to show me that you're happy that I'm back, hit the like button. Doesn't matter if you're listening to us now, five weeks from now, don't care. Hit the like button, show your support. We love you. Let's keep this train rolling. Let's talk about Batman 137. <gasps> Finally, Chip Zdarsky's name back on the cover of a Batman comic book. Right, guys? Uh, and we're in Gotham War still. Yeah, we had a taste of it last week, but I'll give it to you. I'll give it to yeah. you this week. Part of me was excited to read this, and I was also like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to hear Sean's thoughts on on uh, Gotham City, Amsterdam. <laughs> Mar Marco made that point last time. That's so, good. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. that's a yeah, that's a reference to the wire for those of you who are not initiated. This okay, is written by. You. You're welcome, Chip Zdarsky, with art by. Jorge Jimenez, Tamu More on colors, and Clayton Cowles on the letters. Yes, we are in the middle of Gotham War, which started last week with the battle lines issue or whatever. Um, it established that it's a new world order in Gotham. And Catwoman is the tip of the spear. And she has assembled the mighty, mighty villainesses of Gotham, plus the goons who are now being trained. This is... Uh, this reminds me of Avengers the Initiative. She took all the scrubs and she's got them trained now, but they're trained for crime. And she's, the crime they're allowed to do is the crime that is quote unquote victimless. Unless you're rich. Right. Yeah. Which right. I agree, victimless. Well, um, I actually thought this is an interesting event. This is an interesting event. And I think I love hate it so far because some <laughs> that's, of the, th that's, that's about how we felt last week. We had the, we liked the chip pages, but we really hated the, the teeny pages. Right. 
I I think that there are some things that are 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 happening that are really smart. I think that Batman saying, "Hey, my parents were rich. They died because of their wealth." You know, that's not that this isn't okay. I like that that's Batman's perspective. And to me, while victimless crime may may exist, at the end of the day, these are crime fighters. So, you know, I like what Batman is bringing to the table here. But, boy, I am struggling with the other Bat family. Yeah. It's yeah. not good. Interesting. I'm the other way. Because you're bringing your personal feelings sure. into it. 100%. Whereas yeah. I'm talking about what makes sense for the story. There is zero... Point zero chance that Nightwing, a cop, and Tim Drake, basically a detective, and also the the pseudo children of Batman, are going to side against him to allow crime. I could see Tim working it out and sort of coming out on yeah. Selena's side. Like there's a there's a logic there that I think would track for his character. I'm with you on Nightwing though. I, I, it doesn't make sense. I, th- I think current day Nightwing with what's happening in Tom Taylor's run, there is a line that could be made for him to be in a position where he's like, all right, I'm going to stand back and see where the stats go, you know? Um, but like the, the, the one part that I, that I enjoyed was like spoilers. Like, yeah, I just saw someone bring to a house and I didn't do anything about it. It feels weird. Yeah. Like, I like them having to come to terms with that. Um, like, breaking and entering is a crime. Yeah. Yeah, that, is, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. And also, yeah. like, a lot of bad could happen in the mid, which, it, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Um, we see one of these criminals who's doing, you know, a victimless crime die because he Become thought. Yeah. Right, exactly. So this this whole thing is dumb. And none of these characters would be okay with this. But the fact that Tom, or I'm sorry, Chip Zdarsky is such a good writer for me means that even in the midst of all this nonsense, he's still bringing the good character work that I've been enjoying the entire run on Batman. What I like is how unhinged Batman is right now. It's been hit after hit after hit. Boy's got a robot hand now that can just do uh, fear toxin or, or smoke. I don't know what that was. Um, Man's got a black glove on too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean the loves bat- a, glove, a gloved character. Um, but did it? That didn't make you think about you know the black glove. Oh shit! No, yeah. okay, yeah. He, he is he is evol- devolving mm. or evolving. I can't really tell, but he's evolving into this idea of Batman, and the hum- human aspect of him is slowly going away. And that whole bit where he's yes, you know, screaming at himself and Zeranar in his head. I love that. Um, so yeah. while I don't fully agree with the Bat family and what they're doing right now, um, Damien is the only one that really seems like he knows who he is. Um, maybe Jason as well. Um, if it, yeah, it feels like Damien and Jason are the two that are in character. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love where it leaves Batman because Batman is not Batman right now. He's something unhinged and wild. And I, and I like Batman as a, as a kind of a, a force of nature, really. We're also seeing a Batman who is afraid 
of the fact that he is getting older and he's not feeling as invulnerable Same. as he typically does. And I, as I was reading this, my mind, everybody's been talking about the Dark Knight Returns this week um, on social and saying that, you know, people are shitting on this run because people hated this issue. Um, and they're saying that, you know, that Chip Zdarsky is writing a mid-Batman run um, and that they're comparing it to the Dark Knight Returns. Forget all that, because that's all stupid. The reason why I thought about the Dark Knight Returns is because I was thinking, man, is this a Batman on that road? You know, like, is this, could oh, could sure. I forecast that? Yeah, I kind of can. A Batman yeah. who's alienated now from his family, who's got this Zoranar in his mind, he's getting a little bit older, his relationship with the police force is getting worse. This is all tying together for me. Well, and Zdarsky, I mean, you know, uh, can get in fucking line but he's uh you know he's a disciple of frank miller yeah you know probably one of the few uh creators who have written both daredevil and batman concurrently you know right around the same time yeah um and so yeah that makes perfect sense to me i'm a dark knight returns apologist though so i'm a dark knight strikes back apologist as well yeah, so, uh, that's a positive in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. No, they're 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 not com they're comparing it to the run to that and saying this sucks. That's what people are saying. Oh, I right see. Now. I see. Okay, that Chip's run has sucked. I don't feel that way. I think that's bonkers. No, I I, I do like how this does introduce the one thing I would say his run is lacking, and that's tr traditional Batman rogues. Um. This yeah. finally gives us like a cabal of them, and they're like B-list rogues too. And sorry, I, I don't mean to say Two Face is B-list, Sean. I'm sorry. Scarecrow B-list. Uh, Scarecrow yeah. and Two Face were the odd one, odd odd ones out. I think. Um, Scarecrow B-list, yeah, it's fine. That's yeah, okay, that's fine. But Professor Pig, Mad Hatter, Black Mask, like hell yeah. So seeing what he can do with those guys, I'm excited for that as well. Dude, I am here for my man Scarface. Yeah. I love yeah. Scarface and the yeah. ventriloquist. Nope. Yeah. Yo, bring nope. it. Let him let him get an arc, please. Yeah. Nope. I'm afraid of I dolls. Would, so I would love to see a modern ventriloquist take. Woof. Um, I wasn't so crazy about Batman in this issue. I uh am tired of runs where Batman is unhinged and unleashed and he's run down and this is all his thing. Uh, but this was exciting. Like, I was gripped by everything. Yeah. If you want happy Batman, go back to World's Finest, nerd. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> no, so it's, it's I, very good. Yeah. I don't think that he's unhinged. I Yes, uh, I think... Yeah, I don't either. Yes, I think that obviously he's being influenced by Zoranar to some degree. We we literally see it on the page. But in my mind, and I can't really see it any other way, Batman is right. So yeah. if he's right, then to me, he's not unhinged. It's just everybody else reacting to him as if he is. Yeah, I guess what I mean by unhinged is he's, you know, he's he's going a lot harder than he normally would. You know, and he, you know, he's running on fumes. Yeah. Um, and that's making him sloppy. That's making him uh work hard. That's making him, you know, 
work outside the norm. Dude, if I slept for two weeks or however long my man was asleep and I woke up, I tackle the world. I don't know what Batman's problem is. He should be at Superman level right uh, now. He's never slept yeah. more than five hours in a night. You ever oversleep, uh, though? That kind of ruins the productivity sometimes. <laughs> what, eight weeks? Listen, was it eight I'd, weeks? I'd love a coma. It's been. Hell yeah. Um, so, so, Kelly, you mentioned it's exciting. This issue is very exciting. This, this was the contender for pick of the week for me. Um, not necessarily because of content or characterization, but the Jimenez art is in sane in this issue yeah this he's drawn every bat family member the rogues like there's some there's that that panel that where where damien is punching jason todd in the face which love to see it but also had just shatters his shitty mask that he wears now like oh some of the pages there's one of nightwing just standing in rubble there's one of batman throwing a punch it's just gorgeous art yeah the art the art i mean jimenez never disappoints um he's always on top of his game i think you're right getting this this is this is an event and it has you know everybody you would expect from the bat fam and um he does a great job depicting them all the colors are also great i really love this sequence um with professor pig and he's just drenched in that the like the pink all the the yeah. pink um on that page just looks so cool um this is a gorgeous comic book and I think that if you don't care as much for the story, um, just getting to see some of these panels is worth the price of admission. Yeah, this won't go in uh, in my Batman canon, but this is a good-ass book. Yeah. Um, uh, worth noting, Catwoman on the cover, Zuranar colors. Yep. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we all saw that, and yep. you know. Yeah, I definitely saw that. Yeah. I definitely noticed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The only thing I would uh, I wanted to add real quick was uh, they wasted the Jason Todd thing. They introduced that in the last issue as like, yeah, I'm gonna be playing the other side and I'm gonna influence them, and we got that for a few pet pa- a few pages, and then he just flips. I thought that could have that could have been used a little more. I feel like that's Jason though. <laughs> like I he he he's as blunt as the crowbar that killed him. Which he was trying to go he was going at Batman with a crowbar. That's yeah, that's his, his, that's his, his weapon. That was yeah. so crazy. Yeah. That's that's what he uses. He's reclaimed it. He's like that yeah. that weapon's mine now. So are you guys interested in reading the Catwoman issue? Interested? No. no. Will I? Yes. Because I'm a masochistic <laughs> comic book reader. Yeah. So we'll probably we'll probably review Catwoman just to keep up with the event. But uh, I I've actually been buying it. Um, not the biggest fan in the world, but I've been buying it. Uh, Roboters 100 says, question for the po- the comic spouse, Selena being a villain again. Are you for it or against it? So for me, uh, characters who began their career in comics as a villain will always flip flop. And that's why I never get with this whole idea of she's bat fam because everybody is bat fam until they're not. And she will always do this dance because that's the nature of her character. She's a foil for, for Bruce, just like black cat is for Spider-Man. 
also Roboters, you're assuming that I think she's a villain, which I don't. Hashtag Catwoman's She's an antagonist. Right. Catwoman's right. No, she, sure, she's definitely... She was an antagonist when they were getting married. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she's always been an antagonist, but uh, I don't see her as a villain per se at the moment. We'll see. We'll see how this your, ends up. Your worldview is so skewed. I cannot believe that you don't think that robbing people is wrong. The rich, no. Oh, my God. Because they're but already we, robbing us. Did you not see the, the, the consequence in this very yeah, issue? Yeah, I, I think that rich person should be jailed. You're right. They committed she, a violent crime. I'm I'm exiting this conversation. Uh, pull. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll pull a Batman book. There pull. you go. Yep. There you go. Uh, <laughs> let's talk Dan, about Dan saying my son would refer to it at her as an op. <laughs> what is that? He is an op. I must, uh, be, op- I must be like Dan in in this scenario. Opposition. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's sl- slang ver- slang way of saying. Opposition. So that was the most dad comment we, that I saw here. So, yeah. Let's talk about The Sacrificers, number two. This is by Rick Remender with art by Max Fiumara. Uh, letters by Dave McGag. This is... This is a book that I am very, very much falling in love with. And I was reflecting on comics over my vacation. Maybe I'll talk about it more on the main show. And one of the things that I came to realize is that I struggle these days to fall in love with comics because so many of them feel disposable. Mm. And even the ones that are like this, that are not big too, that are some big idea with top-notch creators behind it, they fall and eventually it all feels the same for some reason with this particular book I am finding myself falling in love I think it's the secret sauce that Rick Remender has which is a perfect cocktail for me of despair and hope that he manages to wield in such a way where every page you're oscillating between the two And getting you to care deeply for people who seem to be in otherwise hopeless situations where the worst is happening. And I'm like, damn, they got to find a way out of this. And then Rick Remender makes me think, no, there is no damn way out of this. And then we turn the page again and it's like, wait, there might be a way out of this. And it's that roller coaster that he always has me on. Plus the big life questions that he makes me ask myself. That are why I come back to this man over and over again. I love it. I like this because I'm going to be a lot less eloquent than you, Sean. Um, This was like just vibes for me. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I kind of just got to like read this and like it was almost like the lazy river of comic books. Where like I just hop in my tube and I just like coast down the story that this book's telling me. Like I don't Mm. need to like really be like, oh, look at the characterizations off in these characters. Oh, no. How are they going to justify Harley Quinn being in this book? Like, I can literally just be like, all these characters mean nothing to me at the present. But I'm willing to fall be invested in them. So I'm kind of just coasting and enjoying everything there is in it, especially the Fiumara art. Like, this dude is drawn biome after biome after biome. Um, 
and it's great stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this, Sean. I really enjoyed this. I knew I would like this book when one, uh, I opened the book and there's a, uh, a family of blue pigeon people. Normally, characters like that are completely disposable. Uh, you know, they'll get mm, two pages in. They're the place setting for the uh, for the book. The they they all get killed. They all go away. They're a ridiculous name. They're not thought of at all, and um, we never see them again. But we follow the pigeon guy. And the pigeon guy goes through the book, and he's made it to the second issue. I care about the pigeon guy. Uh, and it was, it was the uh, the second the set. My second thing was at the end at, in the the letters page of the of the first issue. Uh, Remender says that he, uh, this is his uh david lynch swing and i said okay i'm along for the ride let's go yeah don't tell me anything just show me yeah and what yeah. i get out of it i get out of it and yeah and he said that's exactly what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna tell you anything y'all just here to learn you a lynch guy kel yeah uh, you're david lynch guy kel sorry yeah mm. okay <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Milkbone Crusader 6, which is a new name to me, so welcome. Thank you for joining us. Says, the art in this book really does allow you to form an attachment to these Animal Farm ass characters. <laughs> and if that's not the best encapsulation of this book, then I don't know what would be. That's absolutely correct. There are human-type characters in the story of the sacrificers but they're sort of irrelevant they're not the main people the main characters are non-human um and i think that that book more interesting it makes it feel a little bit off balance but i like that i yeah. want that because it makes it stand out Do you know how many main characters i've seen that are all white girls white girls with red hair you know or generic black characters or regular ass white dudes i want a bluebird you know i want I think, something different i think i think remender's doing something really special here because we are going to care about the animals not the people yeah and so oh, yeah, the, the journey go ahead the people suck in this like yeah <laughs> i mean they're they're realistic in the sense of the the, the two humans that are shackled in this are probably more like, you know, like, uh, all right, I can probably see the world for what it is because I've had led a shitty life, but they're, they seem like crappy people. Um, yeah. the animals are a little more nuanced and have a different kind of view on things. The, the, so the story of, of the, the book real quick, just a quick recap of the first issue is just that there's this, you know, this um everybody's living well the 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 people of this story are all prospering everything is good but 
they have to pay a price. And that price is essentially their first, they're sacrificing it to the God. That's how we got the name, the sacrificers. Um, And so this issue, we're following a group of, of individuals who are all to be sacrificed. Um, And it's sort of their journey on this path. And it really does a good job. Remender does a great job of highlighting how, and, and again, you know, Dan in the chat, I think, said that Remender has real personal stuff behind his books, big ideas. I completely agree. And this issue did a great job of encapsulating that. In fact, I'm amending my pick of the week, I think, right now. I think this is my pick of the week. This is my pick of the week. There you go. Um, flip-flop of because, my policies. Because r- what Remender does is he establishes that it doesn't matter if you if you're rich, you know. It doesn't matter if you're if you're poor. It doesn't matter what your lot in life is. We're all a part of a system. We're all chained somehow, some way, and you know we're all getting out the same way. There's only one end point for any people. You know we're all gonna die. When, how, those are things that you can influence, maybe. But in this book. You know, there are these, um, I don't even know how to describe these characters, but they're, they sort of look like fish, kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, maybe. I think they're like they're, whales. They're whales. Yeah, they're, those whales. are orcas, even though orcas are technically Whale dolphins. But... And so they're sort of elite. Their lives are good. They, they're they the ones that have food to spare on this trek because the, the sacrifice, the sacrificers are all given rations by their family and they're these are the only ones that have plenty and so they think they're like they're they're going to the promised land this is great they're almost acting as if they're leading this thing mm-hmm. but they're in chains too just mm-hmm. like everybody else mm-hmm. that's like the difference between you and paris hilton you know what i'm saying like yeah she has more means than you but she's in the same system as you you know, and I love that Rick Remender is establishing that there's something bigger than this, and we saw it in issue one. And, and I do like how those people who have more means are also probably a little more out of touch with the reality of things. Right. Uh, much like Paris Hilton, the stars are blind. Yes. Yes. I don't get to reference Paris Hilton's musical catalog enough on the show, so. And I wish you wouldn't. It's a great song. Um, the art is also outstanding. Fiamara is a great, great artist. I can't think of ever of a time I ever saw Max's work before this book, but boy, is it special. Um, Hellboy. Okay. Yeah, there's some good Hellboy mm. stuff. Ape Sapien, right? I don't know what that I, is. I believe, I'm looking at right now. Yeah, the blue, the blue guy from. Uh, Hell You're right. Yeah, he did some uh, BPRD Hell on Earth in 1948, and then also did lots of Ape Sapien. Yep. This is a this is a book from a visual standpoint, at least this issue, that is a little bit more. Um, it's not focused as much on the bombastic. It's really, really great storytelling, which I appreciate a lot when a book, because the first issue, I think, had a little bit more of that 
bombastic nature when we saw the fire god and all those kinds of things this one really brings things down to earth so to speak um and we're really following this journey closely but what i appreciate so much and i read a lot of comic books this week and i found i found that a lot of times i was kind of lost by the art um what i appreciated so much about this book was that the art was so deliberate and specific about the story that it was telling uh in conjunction with the words for some reason i I felt like a lot of books that i read this week were struggling with that this was clean it was to the point and it has that grittiness that i think a world like this also needs um because there is a darkness to it you know like when you look at some of these pages here uh where you have the humans eating and stuff and they look kind of nasty um i appreciated that element of it eating food like denethor eating tomatoes disgusting <laughs> That's a reference. Yeah. Tyler is on another level today. Um some level. Yeah. Like I said, I think I'm I think I'm changing my pick of the week. I think I'm I'm gonna go with the sacrifices number two. I don't know how you couldn't. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. You're right. With that poetry you just spat. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot more out of this than yeah. I thought I did. I we guess. need to get that uh <laughs> that poll quote. It'd be the second time I got one from Rick, so or on a Rick book rather. What was the first one? Deadly Class. Got it. Okay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this rules. I'm excited. This might be the first reminder book that I'm excited about. Wow, late but welcome. Yeah, I like this a lot. Milkbone Crusader says Red Black Science is an Omni. Omnibus, so excited to see how a monthly remender reads. You know what? I think that um, mm. it's hit or miss, and not because the books are hit or miss in terms of quality, but I think sometimes they can lack the propulsion to keep you going month to month, especially if they end up being super long, like Black Science and Deadly Class did. Um, but he's been doing shorter, more bite-sized things recently, and if this is akin to that, I think this will be a, it's a hit either way. This book is tremendous. Yeah. Do we know if this is a, a Tokyo ghost or do we know if it's a black science yet? Do, have we gotten any news on length? No. And I think Rick is in that space where he's not really saying he's just letting the book. He's got his in. own imprint at, at uh, what, what uh, something giant, giant something, generator, giant generator. Like he doesn't need to tell us, I guess. No, he's, I don't think he he's going Lynch on it. You'll take yeah. what you'll get. You'll thank me for it. Yep. Look, comic boom. He says you chose a blue pigeon over blue bar over big barda. Look, I love big barda. Okay, no one can tell me anything about big barda. All right, but <laughs> Rick Remender, it's off the screen. You can't see it, but I have a shrine to the man, so I have to go with that. I have two shrines now: one to yeah. Grant and one to Rick. The Rick oh, one's weird too because it has like a lock of his hair, and I have no idea how you got that. Listen, I can't expose my secrets. That's fair. Well, what's weirder is the grand hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't had hair for a millennia. You know who else hasn't had hair for a millennia? Professor Xavier. There we the go. The star, one of the stars of Immortal X-Men, number 15, which we also read this week. Of course, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Paco Medina, colors by David Curiel, and... Clayton Cowles on the letters. That is a name that we will see always every single week on this show. 
Uh, so we're still sort of following different uh, different characters. We've got Celine and Sebastian Shaw, who are one one piece of this uh, ongoing story. We've got the desert, and you know the the pilgrimage, if you will, of hope and um, the, I always forget Exodus. this guy's name. Exodus, thank you, and all those other mutants. Um, and Professor X is. You know, being bald and angry on on, on got a beard now, and I don't like it. Don't bald like and bearded. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, his beard is weird. Um, you know, I'm ah, uh, this is not. I'm not loving this era right now, dude. You said uh, this is the you know that storyline that we we're following, and I was about to chime in and say, following. I'm lost. I'm not following anything. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> um, I feel I, like I'm wandering in the desert. Dude, there there's too much going on now, and I don't know what's happening. Like, we'll talk about X-Men in a bit. But, like, I think that's the compelling part, is, like, the Morlock Tunnels part of the X-Men. I mean, even then, it's dubious. Um, there are way too many spinning plates here, and I feel like half of them already fell to the ground and, and, and shattered. Um, I, I'm not feeling this at all, to be honest. When, when Miss Marvel... Is your best X Men book going on right now? Uh, you might have an issue. Whoa, X Men Red is uh, hot. Fire. Oh, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Um. So there are multiple Wolverines. For some reason. How? How? Do we know? You know, I was really hoping that one of you would be able to tell me. <laughs> Because I got to be honest, I've read some aspects of this book more than once. And I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I don't understand what's up with the ending. Uh, clearly, there's some kind of mental manipulation that's going on. So I guess we're not supposed to know or have the answers yet. But it's just really jarring. And it feels like there's nothing sticky right now. Because Celine yeah. and Shaw are not care like we care about them but they're not they're not our primary characters you know um and then you got the desert and what's going on with them but we don't know what the hell is going on with them and then you got professor x but he's not doing anything either so there's nothing to hang on to in simultaneously and i know i hate using this term and i, and I try not to use it but there's the whole mary sue of mother righteous um where I feel like Gillen is trying to make her happen, and it's not um, just I feel like she's being shoehorned into the story, and I'm lost, and that whole desert thing is, I'm like, I don't really know what's going on there. I, even, even the narrative point of Immortal X-Men, where it's supposed to be like one of the Quiet Council members issues and they do the 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 the, the whatchamacallit in the background the yeah narration i guess this was a celine issue but we get other internal like it's it's lost the thread there too yeah i couldn't tell um yeah not not digging it not digging it i think things are and you know this is how it's supposed to feel but i think they've they've done it too much it spread too thin. Yeah. You know, 
we've got you know an x-men we've got emma frost is getting married for some reason and uh hope and other characters we barely care about are wandering the desert and there are four wolverines and xavier has a beard like what do we what what do i have to hang on to here yeah. i need something to give me a sense of what's going on and i like since the hellfire gala i still have no idea what's happening and you know even if you go back to the sins of sinister days for immortal x-men well the prelude to sins of sinister i guess mm. the council was still together so there felt like an inherent cohesion yeah. where the promise of the book was there but you also had the consistency of character and now it feels like all those things are out the window. I'm not connected to this anymore. Um, and I don't understand where Gillen's going. Uh, C.W. Gordon, I think, said, yeah, isn't this all Mother Righteous messing around? She stole Krakoa in the gala issue. Okay. But the problem is that Mother Righteous is not a character that we really care that much about. And so maybe we're supposed to. And we and we just don't like here on the podcast, but I feel like there should be someone here that we're really that we care about. You know, I'm fine with Mother Righteous. I don't have a problem with Mother Righteous, but she's literally in everything. And I don't care. Even if we were just following her, you know, if if the rest of the X-Men were out and they were spread thin and we could be following Mother Righteous. Even if we don't like her, we could get some semblance of feet on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, the art is solid. I didn't really have any major beef with it. Um, Paco Medina is definitely... Um, you know, very, very uh, capable artist. But I, I feel like the art's not up to par with what we've been used to in this series either. Like, I'm not, my, my socks are firmly on. The, the way Charles is drawn to with that beard, it just doesn't look like Xavier. And like, we could, yeah. we've seen it with the beard before. Like, it's not new. But, yeah, just something feels off about a lot of the character designs, too. The whole well, book just feels of, off to me. A lot of the scenes here are fucking crowd scenes. Yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Just not a good pivot for this book all around. Uh, I would say pass. There's no real reason to read this right now. Like... I um I feel confident saying that if you skip this arc and you come back when things make more sense, you can probably just, you know, find out from someone with Love's Comics in their Twitter bio what happened and come back and you'll be a-okay. It's not that big of a deal. This, to me, feels like that messy era of X-Men where any number of things, of awful things happened to the x-men and it's just kind of written off yeah you know 
uh, yeah, hard pass. Tyler? Nah, not feeling it. No, this whole... I mean, maybe, maybe Fall of X can redeem itself uh, this next week, I think, with Uncanny Spider-Man, but we'll see. Oh, hell fucking no. Is that next week? I believe it's next week, buddy. <laughs> oh, nah. my God, no. Nah, nah. So so we will be reading Catwoman yeah. next week. Yeah, I guess so. So, so I, I read, like, I even read, like, the Iceman stuff, and, like, it just feels out of place. Uh, like, it just feels like an Iceman book that, like, Children of the Vault, too. Like, this whole Fall of X thing just seems so disjointed. Um, they're just books. It just feels like they're throwing ideas out there that they've had for the Krakoan era. Um, almost like to just get it out of the way because maybe we won't have a Krakoan era soon. Um, and Oof. now they have to tell those stories. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's it just seems like a, I mean, if that's the case, that seems like a waste, you know? Right. Under that theory, that's just a way to get, you know, three ninety nine out of more people while you can. Um, yeah. Inquisitor oh, wait, no, ne Next week is Alligator Loki, number one. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Inquisitor Drake says, I agree. I think I'm done with the X-Books for a while. Thank you for the comment. I haven't seen you around these parts that I can recall. Yeah, I'm, I'm firmly on for the X-Books, but... Not not because they're so great, just because I'm hooked for the store, the overall story. Yeah, like uh, this is a Krakoan era podcast. Like we're we're yeah. Yeah. generally a fan of Krakoa and what has been set up. What's going on is not our bag. It, it yeah. feels like when you like a TV show and it just you're just having a bad season or like a bad arc right now, and like that, that doesn't really make me jump off TV shows. Um, because I'm more interested in the characters and narrative arc. You're not gonna, you're not gonna believe this. It does me. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but you don't do a podcast about TV shows. No. Yeah. Well, we do do a podcast about the X Men, and that's why we're we are reviewing X Men 26. Oh, whoops! I put the sexy variant on the on the screen. Oh well. It's automated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jerry Duggan on the words. Jim Toe and Javier Pina on art, Mark Degasi on colors, Clayton Cowles on the letters. Um, so this book has got a few storylines of its own that are going on. I think it's a little easier to track. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> this issue had what I thought was a pretty good interaction between Kingpin and Emma Frost. I am sort of enjoying the Kingpin inclusion. Um. You know, it's a power play. It's always it's always power with him. But it's cool to see him mixing up with people that I normally don't see him with. Um, so I'm into that. We've got the Tony Stark of it all. Jerry Duggan is writing Invincible Iron Man. So, of course, he's going to find a way to slot him in. And we've got Emma and him, you know, with the, you know, the engagement. Um, which, <clears throat> this was the official engagement? This was a worse proposal than my own. Um, this, <laughs> this is the most convoluted way to do a comic book marriage, and it annoyed yeah. me by the end of it. I was like, oh, that's what this is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, it, was, it was like, all right, you really, really need to sell X-Men books, don't you? Uh, big wedding issue is going to do it, I guess. 
Yeah. I don't know. Unless it's like the beginning of a rom com where they, you know they learn to do that they actually do like each other by the end. Who knows? But uh, sorry, I needed to rage about that because that pissed me off at the end of this book. <laughs> it's it's a joke. Yeah, it's 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 a literal, a literal gag. That is he the was, he got married in the last arc. Like what? What is happening? <laughs> If I can sidestep that that piece. Please do. Because I agree with you guys and I'm I'm cool with that. Was anybody troubled by the fact that Kate, Kate Pride, you know, Kitty, now going by Shadowcat, was so adamant that oh, yeah. Firestar oh, yeah. had to die. Oh yeah. And then she goes to her, has the blade through her freaking body, through her brain. Yep. And as soon as Firestar says, oh, you're not going to believe this, but actually yep. it was Jean. She told me to do this. And Kate immediately believes it. The only justification for that I could think of is once you know it, the spell is gone. Like Spider-Man taking off his mask or whatever. Yeah. You know, after yeah. one more day. That's or, the only justification. Whatever. Otherwise, I'm with you, Sean. Do we know that for a fact? No. Uh, no, so. the only one other person knows about Firestar, I think. And, but do, uh, what you just said, do we know that? That if someone sees it, if I they learn like, the information. I feel like the, the closest we got to the, to that, like a, like a mind wipe thing was Emma. And, uh, when Kamala Khan talks to Bruno last week in Miss Marvel and she tells him what happens and he's just like, oh, okay. This all makes sense to me now. Mm. Um, but that's just but, hearing something sure yeah yeah i don't know if that's fully been in text explained as no, as a reason i don't think yeah. so and i think i think the, the in text explanation duggan gives us is shadow cat saying oh that's the most gene gray shit i've ever heard like what yeah what you've changed your whole identity into a ninja You put a blade. You've become a killer. You had a blade in this woman's forehead. What? None of the X Men ever really liked Firestar, so like I, I, I get that much. But yeah, but come on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird. It's weird. I just this. I don't want to dog dog on Duggan too much, but I. This is it's the kind of quippy shit that I don't like from his uh, superhero stuff. I just like it doesn't make sense. Which is like, I don't I don't love to go to the whole like, oh, this is a this is a logic leap or a plot hole or whatever. You know, I hate to say those things, but you know why establish. Shadowcat's desperate need to kill Firestar if you were just going to have that meeting and Shadowcat just go, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. Yeah, that sounds like something Gene would say. Yeah, all right. That's yep. it? That's the whole payoff? Yeah. I was bought in. I bought in. Yeah. Now I'm buying out. How much is this fucking comic book? $4? I'm buying out. 
Yep. You cannot do that. And I feel like there's been a couple of things that have upset me about this run since the since the um, Hellfire Gala to where I'm feeling like I don't want to read this. I had a lot more fun reading uh, Black uh, uh, Birds of Prey and Batman, honestly. I had a lot more fun reading last week's Batman. Ooh. Well, that was a fun discussion, at least. I had a lot more fun reading uh, Night Terror's Night's End. They're going to say your, <laughs> your COVID test that in instructions. <laughs> Please. I don't know. And this is just, it's tough because I, I really do like Jerry Duggan. Um, and I've liked a lot of the things that I've read yeah. of his. Un Uncanny Avengers. We read yeah. three weeks ago. It was good. We all liked it. There's something happening here with his Xbox that for me is just not working. It's just not working. Um, what do you guys think about the art? Did the art work for you, Kale? Uh, mostly. I'm not crazy about this stick thin Tony Stark. Hmm. Which that which dude. Tony Stark? Greasy haired bangs Tony Stark that we got introduced in the beginning of the book, or nice yeah. haircut Tony Stark? So there was that was like the first right, one. Pick yeah. One. Uh that yeah, that dude don't like, have a sandwich, brother. He looked like uh, Ken not Burns. To not to body shame, but I I had a a similarly uncomfortable uh uh comment about the art kale Please. with Emma here. Yeah, you know that just you know, I I I you know I know I understand Emma's character and everything, but it just it's a little too much. You know what I'm saying? Like a little uh, I, way too thin. I, I, I was the wrong cover at, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at uh, her ankle in that picture uh, as we were all just talking. I, I just like I kept looking at it, just like that looks off. Like I'm sure yeah. it, part of it is the style you know but um it just i i don't hate the style but i don't think this was the showcase uh for this artist there's no meat on anybody's bones but kingpin he took like, all the meat a, apparently that's a cool thing for like a spider-man book <laughs> right i see what you, you mean know? Yeah. spider-man ain't got no meat mm-hmm <laughs> the so that was the art at the beginning was Jim Toe I believe right whereas Javier Pina did the very much uh uh RB Silva typed uh art at the end of the book which I enjoyed and yeah. a part of me was like wait RB Silva's back or uh or um uh what's the other guy who did Hoxbox Oh, oh, Pepe Larraz. Pepe Larraz. I'm like, oh, when do they come back? But no, it's just Javier Pina doing something very similar that I enjoyed. It probably helps mm -hmm. that Marte Gracia was on colors, too. Mm -hmm. But um, that I enjoyed. Yeah, but we only got, like, what, four pages of that? Yeah. Uh, that was okay. It was a big shift. Pretty much so, yeah. Totally, too, yeah. Uh, pass. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't, I don't know. It won the listener pick poll and it won it, you know, pretty convincingly. So clearly you guys want to hear us talk about X-Men and I get that. 
Um, but this book is tough right now. It's tough. And Immortal, I will always give grace to because for me, that was, I don't know if it was literally my book of the year, the for, the for its first year out. Um, but it was. it was definitely in the conversation. So it always has grace. Yeah. But this is not, X-Men has not been that good throughout the whole run to where I'm going to sit through this. I'm sorry. I'm so, I love Jerry Duggan. I really do. I can't do it. Yeah, it passed for me too. I can't believe y'all making me read this. <laughs> we didn't do it. The listeners did it. And you know how you uh, can do that? Who you think I'm talking to? <laughs> Fair enough. If you want to influence the listener pick poll, it's no longer on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it. It is now on YouTube.com slash the comics pal, the community section. So you go there and it goes up every single Thursday or I'm sorry, Friday it goes up every Friday and you can vote for what you want us to read for the show. And if your pick wins, we'll be here talking about it. This is one of the first, if not the first, unanimous passes for the listener pick poll. So you guys got to do better. Should have picked Blue Beetle. Oof. Well, that's enough of the comic book reviews. Unfortunately, we had to go out, go out on the reviews on a downer. But I have something to uh, sort of bring us up a little bit. I thought I would talk to you. Got, go ahead. And then back down. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. do you want to do you want to just continue with the downers and end with an upper or I'm not so sure that I what, what I'm going to talk about is a full upper. OK, um, <laughs> because I, I, as I discussed, I did go on vacation to uh, Florida, Disney and Universal Studios. Uh, it was my first time at Disney in over 20 years. So I was very excited for that. Um, I went with my girlfriend and it was her first time. So oh. She was like single digits, so she didn't remember anything. So it was a very cool thing for us to get to experience together. Um, props to Tyler for some of the rec restaurant recommendations and things like oh, that. Did you go to La Cellier? Sure did, man. Did that was a good experience. Beef fat candle. What's that? Some of the you can get like there's a dish you can get where there's actual candle on your plate that's made out of like beef fat. And it just melts and then melts into the dish, too. Uh, yeah. I did not get that. Yeah. <laughs> that is a hilarious picture yeah. that Tyler it's has up on the screen. Actual right picture that was taken at, at Walt Disney World. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. I could have shared real pictures with you if you had asked, but clearly the agenda was to troll me. If you want to see real pictures <laughs> yeah. of me and my trip, that's on my newsletter on yeah. the Patreon page. Uh, the rides are incredible. Harry Potter section of Universal phenomenal. Okay. I've been I've been there a few times now, <laughs> um, but they had a new ride, a new Hagrid's ride. Oh, uh, uh, I I've always, I haven't gone to that one yet. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. I'm a roller coaster guy. Yeah, I love me a coaster. Huh. Uh, I, I I love the thrill and the adrenaline and the exhilaration. Did so, you do Velocicoaster? I couldn't get to it, and I'll explain that. Okay, all right. I'll explain that. All right. Uh, I had a goal this year where I wanted to get on all the major coasters at Universal. But I wanted to work my way up. So, you know, we did, we did, I did the mummy, which I love. Um, mm. You know, that's one of, that's probably my favorite ride. At Never did park. it. What? I've done it in, in, in Hollywood. Haven't done it in Florida. Yeah. What are you insane? Um, 
Yeah, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. Did all the Harry Potter stuff. It's all great. By the time that I was ready to do the Velocicoaster and the Hulk, which I've never done, I was sick. Oh, no. Ugh. Yeah. I caught COVID out there, guys. Man. So that tremendously altered my mm -hmm. trip trajectory. And it started with a cough. Started with a cough and my voice being kind of hoarse. But I was like, yeah, I, I'm a yeller. I'm a, I'm a screamer. So sure. when, I'm on a, when I'm on a roller coaster, I'm that guy that's yipping and yelling. And it's I thought, spreading it. yeah, yipping, yelling, <laughs> and super spreading. <laughs> hey, I didn't know. And I was like, wow. It, it, it was kind of like this. Like my my voice was deteriorating. I was coughing and stuff. But I'm like, oh, I'm yelling on the I'm yelling on the rides. It's okay. By about Thursday, starting to feel rough. Mm. Um, starting to feel rough. And we did Monday through Thursday at Disney. That was the agenda. A park a day. Yeah, yeah. park a day. Ooh, four in a row is rough uh, to a healthy body sure yeah we didn't even get to go to disney animal kingdom on thursday because of the rain we went to universal again instead but i was i was feeling the pain yeah. friday i had tickets for halloween horror nights no that that was going to be the day i was going to do the velocicoaster i was going to do the hulk and i was going to experience uh halloween horror nights at universal yeah i'm sick as a dog and it is storming outside that shit looked like a movie, okay? We were in the line for Hagrid's ride. They shut that ride down. Yeah. We, we were like, oh, we'll wait around. It'll probably be done in 15 minutes. If you've been to Florida, you know how that goes. No. The rain did not stop. So we decided to go to a waiting area, uh, but still inside this big Harry Potter castle. So we're waiting, and the rain is just dripping and banging down on the ground. It is, it is bad. And there are people running out there in that for their lives. So we decide, okay, you know what? It's not going to get any better. We don't have our belongings. Let's at least go get our belongings. So we run through this rain in the cold with no umbrella. Okay? No poncho. There was no poncho on me. I was getting fully wet. All right? And it looked like a movie scene. People were huddled up. I saw a guy. This is how quickly civilization ends, by the way. For all those, for all of you who think that human beings are inherently good and everything will be fine, yeah. I saw a guy fucking pissing <laughs> in the out in the open in Universal. <laughs> Do you understand how many bathrooms there are? You a can lot. throw a rock and hit a bathroom at a theme park. My man's dick was out. Okay, <laughs> which land was this? What? Which land was this at the at this part where he was? This pushing? was Islands of Adventure. I saw Dick at Islands. Was it? Of Adventure. Was it in Harry Potter? Was it Harry Potter? Yeah, it was. It was uh, adjacent his, to the. He had yeah. his wand out then. Yeah, you got to keep the immersion, Sean. <laughs> this was Florida, if, if uh, for CW Gordon who asked. That's it was wild, dude. We had to. They shut down the boats. There are boats that take you. Uh, we stayed on property. So there are boats that take you from the property to the park and vice oh, versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shut down the boats because of thunder and everything else. So we had to wait for a bus, which took forever. I'm sick. Now I really understand just how sick I am. And I'm desperate to get back to my hotel. Yeah. 
Finally, a bus comes. Driving Miss Daisy. Worst bus ride of my life. <laughs> I'm used to New York buses. They don't move because of traffic, okay? Yeah. Not because the dude doesn't know how to drive faster than five miles an hour. Well, that's Florida. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, I'm here now. I have COVID. I'm recovering. But that was my general experience. Great parks. Great food. Universal superior rides. I hate to tell you. Superior rides. Better experience. But nothing topped Rise of the Resistance. For Bro. Me. How good is that ride? Insane. Insane. What, yeah. what kind of ride is that? Everything. It's an ex- <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> oh, it's uh, I mean, I can give you the... It, it's a trackless ride system that includes... All right. Okay. Make it interesting. Um, it's... It's uh, <laughs> you're you're uh, I, I don't want to do spoilers for it. Um, think of like just like a, like a car that drives around in a really immersive environment, but at one point gives you like a drop down part of it. Um, sets everywhere, screens. It's 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 a lot. Okay. You're, and there's you're, actual you're, acting you're, too involved. Yeah, you are captured by the yeah. resistance or by the the first, first order, order yeah. and you are going to be interrogated by Kylo Ren. And crazy shit happens. If you are a fan of Star Wars, yeah. you must see this. It is phenomenal. Dude, when I was waiting in line, I got pulled aside by the First Order, separate from the ride. And I got interrogated in front of everybody. Uh, because I had, like, one of those monkey lizards. And they were like, you have animal contraband on the ship. Um, and they and I was like, oh, man, new kink unlocked. But anyway. That's um, <laughs> yeah, great ride. Great, great ride. Yeah. Uh, did you? Okay, I have questions. Um, food, favorite food. So I love park food. Me too, I think it's dude. elite. I love a corn dog. I love a yeah. turkey leg. Yeah. But even just like the restaurants, like um, like the themed restaurants I love. I went to a themed restaurant at Disney. And uh, I mean, I have pictures. I took pictures with Winnie the Pooh. Like Winnie the Pooh came by. Tigger came by. Crystal Palace? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was Crystal Palace. Beautiful. Amazing. Uh, so I love that. I ate at the Captain America Diner, which I love. I had at there's this place called uh, D- Thunder Falls in Universal. I had fucking rice and um, rice and uh, uh, Is that the uh, Jurassic Park themed one. Yeah. Yeah. I had been knee, bro. Did you? Amazing. Yes. With sure it wasn't brontosaurus. Rice. <laughs> yeah, Universal's up in their, their food game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Food, food was great. Cool, cool. Did you do oh. the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster? Oh, that was that was up there too. Yeah, you're right. Oh, now, I haven't. Those done were the top two rides. I haven't done it yet. I know it's, 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 it's. Is it still hard to get on it? Um, yeah. I mean, we yeah. had to do the whole Genie Plus thing and, and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't pay. Well, we paid for Genie Plus. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, what what song did you get? Do you remember? I, dude, it is such a hectic ride. Yeah. I didn't even know there was music playing. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. It really is. Is it um, strong? Like, do you feel like, oh yeah, like yeah, a Space yeah, Mountain yeah. or a little or a Space Mountain Plus? It's way better than Space Mountain because it's smoother than Space Mountain. Gotcha. Space okay. Mountain will have you you'll you'll need a you'll need a chiropractor by the time you're done on that damn ride. Guardians was smoother, but it's also more exciting. Damn, All right, I gotta go back. Yeah. <laughs> CW Gordon, I've never wanted to be an American as bad as during this conversation. Well, A1, you don't have to be an American to go to these theme parks because you can come to America. But B, they also have these theme parks across the world. 
honestly. Some of them, uh, arguably, are the best ones are not even in the United States. So I, I could believe the, that. Yeah. The Paris Disney is. Uh, I found it better than Hollywood. Oh, and you hate theme parks. You hate fun. Well, and I yeah, yeah. Listen, I still didn't like it, <laughs> but I found it better. Cool. Any other questions, Tyler? Um, hmm. Did you do the lightsaber you, thing? Nah. Did you do fu- the haunted mansion? Nah. I did the Tower of Terror. That was pretty cool. I was. Oh, I'll tell. I'll tell that that story real quick, and then we'll really wrap yeah, this yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so I went on alone because no one wanted to go on with me. So I went on alone. And Tower, to Tower was, of Terror. Yeah. Okay. It was me. A random guy to my left. And a random guy to his left. None of us knew each other. All right. And we're in like the front row. Not that it matters on a ride. But you guys both probably are familiar. The the ride goes up, you know, like an elevator. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be an elevator. And then it kind of like goes out. Yeah. And when it started to go out, I was like, wait, am I fucking crazy? Why am I on this? Am I going to be like, all right, right now? And like I told you guys before, I am a yeller. I am a screamer when I'm on a ride, and I don't like to get scared on on rides or really in general. Watch me play Five Nights at Freddy's. I could not do that for public consumption. When the fucking ride dropped, I was terrified. I was screaming for my life. I couldn't keep my limbs on the ground. I grabbed the guy. The guy beside me and I. We're grabbing each other. <laughs> we were grabbing each other and we were cursing. There were more kids than adults yep. and we were cursing. There's how you got it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. so. The, it was funny because when the ride was over, the, the guy to our left was like, by the way, you two made that ride so much better for me. Was there? We did were, you get photos? Um. I, didn't, I don't think I got any photos on that one, though. So if you have Genie Plus, it should give you photos automatically. My girlfriend was doing the Genie Plus stuff, okay. and I forgot to download the app. So they, because oh, I was the only writer, it never yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So if you guys um, want to see all of us go to the California one and experience it together, subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. If you'll pay for it, I'll yeah, go. We'll, we'll vlog Avengers Campus. <laughs> yeah, we'll vlog Avengers Campus. We'll, we'll become honorary Avengers. Tron Inquisitor Drace asks, "How was the Tron ride? The Tron ride was also super cool. Very amazing experience. The ambiance of that ride as you're waiting in the line is fantastic as well. Tron has great music. The movie uh, has great music, and they play it while you're waiting. So yeah. I was in love with that. Uh, the only criticism I have of that ride is that it is way too short." It's 36 like a, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So way too short, but fun ride. Um, go ahead, Kale. Good ride for a big movie. Yeah. I don't know what happened there, but it is very fast. So maybe that's why. Um, that's my Disney Universal experience. Good with the bad, as always. Hopefully, I'll be able to go back soon. This is actually the first time, I believe, that I've gone since the show has been a thing. Hmm. So... Did you like seeing all the Cubert uh, uh, art at Universal to bring it back to comic books there? Uh, most of the art for those characters there is Adam Cubert, I believe. The art of who? In uh, Universal Marvel. Islands of Adventure, of like Marvel, Marvel the, the Marvel characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like Are you the sure? Captain America Diner. 
I most of it's Qbert. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was literally there. I spent a good amount of time there just looking at stuff. And I, I, I think I did was, some research and it was a lot I of thought it was Jim Lee. But um it's beautiful. I mean I've seen oh, that a million great. times. Yeah. But I, I love I love Spider Man ride, still a fantastic ride. Absolutely. And, oh this is a perfect transition into our next conversation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys listening, you're enjoying this. Let us know you're enjoying it. Um, you know, this is kind of what we're doing at the end of Palace Pools now. Uh, I had, for one day, I had packed a CM Punk t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and this is right after everything. This is right after everything that happened at uh, All In uh, a couple weeks ago. The AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. At which CM Punk performed and had an altercation. So, no less than four times, somebody referenced my shirt. And three of those times, it was Operators of Rides. Oh, a bunch of marks over there. Huh. Marks, bro. Throwing up the X at me. Asking me, oh, what's going on with your boy? What's happening <laughs> with Punk? It was, it was mania. Everybody. It's, the, it's the white one you have, the ringer shirt? Yeah, yeah. yeah. People love it. Uh, so CM Punk, for those of you who aren't familiar, is a, a legend in wrestling, I would say. Um, he is the straight-edge superstar, uh, the second city saint. I, I, I could go on and Although on. Although he seems like the on-edge superstar lately. That dude might want to start smoking weed or something. <laughs> Fair enough. He had a very long hiatus from wrestling uh, after he left the WWE he reappeared in AEW a couple of years ago uh, to huge fanfare and celebration. It felt like, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, he had returned. Yeah. Um, and go ahead, Kale. Why did he leave? So he left, long story short, because he felt he was being mistreated by the WWE. Yeah. He felt like he oh, wasn't positioned where he should be. And also there were some major health issues at the WWE uh, where he felt like they were not taking care of his health. They weren't concerned yeah. with his health. They, they made him work with a staph infection at one point. So, so you know, um, he left He left there, and uh, he reappeared in, in AEW. It's worth pointing out that a lot of people at WWE don't feel the same about, how CM, about what happened with CM Punk. And I say that because there are two sides to every story, and he has a bit of a reputation for being a hothead. So flash forward to AEW, um, you know, he's big on respect and he felt disrespected by a particular superstar. And all of this stuff with, you know, these other wrestlers called the Young Bucks, who are wrestlers and EVPs, executive vice presidents of the company, um, lots of problems. It was a powder keg. And so ultimately, a year ago, at a pay-per-view called All Out, CM Punk had an issue with wrestlers named the Young Bucks backstage behind the scenes, not not scripted, real. Okay. okay. Where they had a physical altercation. Chairs yeah. were thrown, somebody was bitten. It was a major fracas. Kenny Omega saved a dog. Yeah. Yeah, there was a dog involved. It was nuts. Uh, and so that happened a year ago. Yeah. CM Punk was also injured. Yeah. And so he was away. He was gone. A lot of people didn't want him back. The Bucks didn't want him back. Hangman Page didn't want him back. Kenny Omega probably didn't want him back. The elite were out on him. And, and Kale, these are people who founded the company, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if he's acting like that, you know, and it's not a thing. Keep in mind. Know, an event. 
Like, yeah. also the biggest merch seller. He's a major star. Yeah. CM Punk is a is a is a major superstar. They sold out the United Center for a show on the back of the idea that CM Punk was going to be there hmm. without confirmation yeah. for his first appearance. That's how big he is. To get him back in the <laughs> fold after that melee I described to you, they launched a whole new show on Saturdays called Collision, and they made him the star. And not only did they make him the star, they let him decide who could and couldn't be on the show. Absent were the Young Bucks and all the people that CM Punk doesn't like. It was a great show. He Even head, it of, on head of talent relations, not allowed on the show as well. Yeah. <laughs> Flash forward to two weeks ago, two Sundays ago at All In. And CM Punk... He's got a match, a big match with Samoa Joe. Very exciting. Biggest pay-per-view ever. 80,000 people. Biggest wrestling attended event ever in the history of wrestling. Nowhere has there been a show with more people at it than this pay-per-view. Okay? It was at Wembley. In in London. Wembley Stadium. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. Big deal. A guy named Jack Perry goes out on the pre-show. Has a match. Hits a guy on a on a car with real glass. Looks right into the mirror, right into the camera, and says, "Yeah, it's real glass. Get over it." Direct shot at CM Punk. Why? Because CM Punk didn't think they should be using real glass because it's dangerous. Jack did it anyway. Scripted? No, unscripted. Okay. Right. Unscripted. The the call out was unscripted. The actual what happened in the match was scripted and approved as well. So Jack Perry gets to the back. CM Punk's match for the pay-per-view when it starts, because Jack's match was on the pre-show. CM Punk uh, approaches Jack and says, hey, do you got a problem with me? And this is Yeah, Yeah. backstage. Right. Unscripted. Right. Totally real. Human interaction. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Phil Brooks. We, We should say allegedly as well, because there are multiple sides to the story. There are multiple sides, but there does appear to be... There was, for a fact, an altercation. Yes. So that is confirmed. Phil Brooks and Jack Perry. Jack Perry, by the way, the son of a very famous actor. Luke Perry. Luke Perry, who was on 90210. And Riverdale. Riverdale. Archie's dad. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they get into an altercation. CM Punk says, do you have a problem with me? Jack Perry allegedly says, hey, I'm just trying to get heat. And CM Punk and him get into a physical altercation where they're pushing each other. CM Punk gets Jack Perry in a real headlock. CM Punk, by the way, a trained MMA fighter. Not a good one, but a trained (laughs) one. Apparently, this fight was so bad that it took several people to pull them apart. There was uh, um, uh, various tech items falling all over the place. And the owner of the company, Tony Khan, was actually, allegedly, according to himself, fearful for his life as CM Punk allegedly uh, physically pursued him, allegedly with the intent to harm, and told him, I quit and said I hate this place. CM Punk and Jack Perry were both suspended. That's what the reports were online. Mm -hmm. And this past Saturday... In Chicago, no less, 
his hometown. CM Punk's hometown the day before All Out, which was yet another pay-per-view that CM Punk was supposed to headline, by the way. It was announced by AEW, by Tony Khan, that CM Punk was fired. By with, the company. Uh, with cause, and they specifically specifically say employment, too, which leads, that leads you to believe that he had more than just a wrestling job. Um, he probably had some kind of backstage role as well in an official capacity. Um, otherwise, they would be independent contractors, and they're not employees. Um, so there is wording there that, you know, there was rumors that he did deal with some kind of uh, backstage stuff specifically for Collision 2. So he had a lot to do there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is grand opening, grand closing. Yeah. As hard as it was to get CM Punk back to wrestling, it took, what, seven years to get him back? It only took two for the man to be gone again. Which, for those two years, he was hurt for a majority of it. Hurt? And then, and then, but then also, you know, gone on hiatus because yeah. of everything that happened. Yeah. Mm. I say all this as a massive CM Punk fan. CM Punk was an inspiration for my lifestyle when I was younger. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not straight edge anywhere. <laughs> Whoa, what do you know about me? Um, <laughs> I'm the straight edge there is. I've drank beer with you, Sean. <laughs> CM Punk, yeah, you have. CM Punk, I drank beer on you the show. You drink on the show. <laughs> CM Punk had to go. And Tony Khan had to fire him. Yeah. Because the biggest problem in that company has been Tony Khan looking bad because he doesn't do the right things. He doesn't fire people. He doesn't put his mm. foot down. He's not hard. And to be a boss, you got to be hard to some people. He is a mark. He likes these people. He's a fan of theirs. He grew up watching them wrestle. Did did you see the uh, the the meme Sean of uh, it was Shawn Michaels Ric Flair, uh, but Tony Kong super super kicking CM Punk saying I'm sorry I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I hadn't seen that. Um, I'm sad about it. I love CM Punk. Like I said, uh, wrestling is hugely important to me. The difference between wrestling and comics in my life because I see a lot of parallels, and I know a lot of people who love both. But the yeah. biggest difference is that the wrestlers are human beings, too, whereas yeah. the comic book characters ultimately aren't. And so I'm as invested often in their storyline lives as I am in, their real pe in the real people. Sometimes it's even more entertaining, unfortunately. And that's the unfortunate truth for AEW because that place is way more entertaining behind the scenes. It's a fucking zoo back there. Mm. You yep. watch. Go ahead. Robot has just said Tony Khan's not a proper promoter. He's someone who, who's running things like a toy company. Yeah, like a fan. He runs things like I used to in my wrestling federation when I was 10 years old. Right. I put all my favorites in the matches and made everybody that I liked win. And mm. all the toys that I had that I didn't like were jobbers. I, I don't understand the people defending CM Punk here. Some of the the the, the discourse uh, that's pro CM Punk has been wild to me. Like, oh, he was driven to do this. Oh, he was, you know, what else did you expect a man to do? This is your job. Maybe not physically assault or, or allegedly physically uh, get into an altercation with your boss. Like, 
I work a job. If I don't agree with my boss and I go over there and throw monitors at him, I'm probably not going to have a job afterwards. Like, oh, it's a wrestling business. Yeah, no, it's the real world. Like, <laughs> it's a corporate <laughs> environment that have it's TV still rights a and business. deals. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, wrestling is not normal. And as much as we want to say what you just said, it really is not a normal place. And these are the kinds of things that have happened in wrestling since time immemorial. Does that mean that it should happen? No. Does it mean that I like it? No. Um, But the first time it happened with, with Punk and the Bucks, I was like, okay. Cooler heads can prevail. Similar things have occurred in history. Similar things have occurred in that company. It's not the end of the world. My problem is that it happened again. You can't have multiple fights. Yeah. You can't be on social media tearing down your coworkers in a real way, which he was doing. You can't go rogue or, as to put it in a business term, go into business for yourself. You can't do that. He had to go. I think probably the Young Bucks shouldn't be EVPs. I think they're scum. But ultimately, to me, this is all Tony Khan's fault. He's not a great boss. Hmm. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Like, I think uh, Moxley said it said it right. Weak mind, weak heart, <laughs> weak spirit uh, in, a, in, a, in a promo. But, like, I don't know. He seems kind of soft. You know, like... He just freak, well, freaks out over everything. Like like I, therapy, that's all I got to say. Like he is a hothead. Uh he 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 and by the way, Dan says he didn't do this in the UFC locker room. Dude, he didn't do this in the WWE locker room. You do what you can get away with in life. He's got a boss who's lenient fair, or yeah. he had a boss that's lenient. He let himself go. And he yeah. was triggered. He was triggered by the behavior of the young bucks and hangman and others. Who I think were trolling him, yes, but he stooped. You know, he took the bait, and now he's gone, and they're not. Sean, what, so what do you mean? You, you think that they were? You think like the Hangman stuff? Are you like on that the side that like Hangman was going to business for himself side? He did. Oh, I don't think so at all. What are you talking about? The whole that promo that that then then Punk called Hangman out. Yeah, when Hangman wasn't even there to defend himself. Yeah. I don't think I don't think CM Punk did the right thing, but I think but yes, I think Hangman went into business for himself and he did it more than once because he did it when he said, oh, yeah, there are old timers uh, who want to give me advice. And yeah, I don't need their advice. Um, I don't want their advice. I don't take their advice. It's very disrespectful. And wrestling is a business that is about respect in a lot of ways. I think that people need to realize that AEW is also a very online company, and a lot of the fans are very online people. So I think when the wrestlers start referencing things that maybe people can be perceived as, only the marks would understand that, you know? They're doing it on purpose because their show is for marks. Like, <laughs> it is for people who under who are reading the dirt sheets and all that. So I think calling out things, I think that, that Hangman made that reference right after a report came out. That you know the older guy, older guys are like, well, these guys just want to play video games and stuff, and they're not really you know you know watching tape or whatever. Um, it's purposeful. Like and I think I think MJF said worse stuff about CM Punk on TV, and he was fine with it. Yeah, but that's not the same thing because MJF is clearly in character, and CM Punk and him have a great relationship. You can't equate them. Well, I think Hangman was in character too. 
that's what you say. Yeah. But clearly, clearly CM Punk didn't feel that way. Yeah, and that's my thing. CM Punk, I think, has a me versus the world mentality where, like, that is a little bit, it's a little bit like, oh, all right. I think he said it during, it was a Sports Illustrator interview, which he was not even approved to do, <laughs> um, where he talked about, he's like, yeah, once Hangman said that, I wasn't sure if he was actually going to hurt me in the ring. You know, I couldn't trust him. Like, a guy that untrustworthy in a, in a sport and entertainment that requires 100% trust in the guy you're working with is not a good guy to have in your locker room. Tyler, Tyler, are you, are, you, are you on this planet? Do you hear what you just said? Do you know what The Undertaker was doing oh, yeah. at WrestleMania 15 while Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels were in the ring? Do you know? Was he, like, shaking his bags? No. He was waiting. He was waiting at the entrance so that if Shawn Michaels came through those doors and did not do the job, which means lose, to Stone Cold, Undertaker was going to beat his ass all night. Yeah. Real and life. Why? Because he didn't trust that Shawn Michaels was going to do the right thing. Un- not trusting wrestlers is the basis of wrestling. Yeah, because wrestlers are not trusting. why that shit's changing. You know, like Undertaker. But it's not changing. A, no, it should, though. That's the thing. But it's Undertaker not. Is a gr- uh, I think so. I think so. The whole locker room thing. Like the fact that um, Miz is a liked person in the locker room now is proof that it's changing. Miz How is the, that proof that it's changing? Miz put his dues in. Sure he did, but there's also, like, there, there's people like The Undertaker who, you know, like, uh, hated when people, you know, like, I think he would mention video games. It's something The Undertaker mentioned in an interview somewhere. Um, and, you know, people would haze back then, too. Randy Orton would, you know, uh, he would uh, visibly touch his dick and then put his hand out to shake your hand. And he would do this to women, too. He shat in people's luggage. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, like, that shouldn't be a thing, you know? Like, this whole toxic machismo thing that has to, it's part of wrestling, and it's just the way things were. Like, I don't think it needs to be, and it shouldn't. And I think it's okay if, you know, Xavier Woods wants to go in the back and record a video for Up, Up, Down, Down. But you're talking about something that's different than what I'm talking about. You started this conversation talking about wrestlers being, wrestlers trusting each other. Sure, yeah. And mistrust in wrestling is never going away because wrestlers are untrustworthy the same people that cm punk is beefing with did untrustworthy shit i don't think there's anyone else though that feels that way in that like that division like i don't think there's anyone who's afraid hangman page is gonna you know knock him loose you know like in a match and that's why their match sucked (laughs) cm punk and page's match was not good they had no chemistry together um yeah the AW has had a lot of backstage altercations that didn't involve CM Punk. True. So clearly there's a culture problem there that has existed pretty much everywhere. But the biggest problem is Tony Khan. But in any event, he needs a heater, I think. He needs, he needs like, he needs like a, a guy with him that can enforce the rules. Not like, you know, not like a Kevin Nash or, or Undertaker. Maybe, actually, maybe Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash was about the money. Just do the job for the money. I kind of agree with Kevin Nash a bit. Um, but he needs somebody like... He needs like a a luchasaurus in real life for his Christian cage. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. He yeah. needs to grow some balls. Quite frankly. Uh let's hit some comments before we get out of here. Uh let's see. Uh Aaron Ruiz, damn, CM Punk and Adam Rampede went out at the same time. Yes, Adam that dude cannot keep it in his pants. It's it's sad to see. Blampede is just a mess. Um also welcome back, Sean. Good to see you. Thank you. 
Um, Dan says, uh, uh, maybe part of the issue is things got better while CM Punk was out and he wanted to prove he's still a quote unquote real guy. I could see that if it wasn't for the fact that, like I mentioned, AEW has had several physical altercations happen yeah. behind the scenes. There's Andrade and Andrade was in an altercation with Sammy um, Guevara, right? Well, yeah, yeah, and so was Eddie Kingston with also with Guevara. Yeah. Um, we had the what I believe to be bullying by uh, Britt Baker and the AEW locker room on Thunder Rosa. So that company's had a lot of problems. That's a toxic culture if I've ever heard one. And CM Punk did not foster it. It was there before he got there. Um, Miz couldn't get into the locker room to change because Benoit didn't think he was worthy of it. That is true. Um, that is true because he did. Well, let's not bring Benoit into it. <laughs> the shining right. example of what to do. You know what I am excited for? One good thing to come out of this is... The Dark Side of the Ring episode is going to be so good. <laughs> I'm waiting for the rise and fall of AEW. And and by the way, to put a bow on this whole thing, for anybody who, who's listening and thinks that I'm wrong about the Young Bucks, at the end of Collision, Kale, you'll like this. Okay. The Young Bucks were not on Collision, which is a show for AEW. Yeah, yeah, they were because blocked. that was CM yeah. Punk's show. And right. they don't want to be around him. Right. They were supposed to have a sit-down meeting to discuss their beef and squash it. CM Punk has been after that meeting for a while because he wanted to move on from the drama. The Bucks, who are also executives within the company, have consistently not wanted to do this meeting. They, before you interrupt me, yeah. they were set to do the meeting. The Young Bucks pulled out. CM Punk gets fired. The very same exact day that CM Punk is fired... Not only are the Young Bucks on collision for the first time, but once the cameras are off and the show's off the air, they do a victory lap around the ring. <laughs> uh, heat, baby. Trolling, baby. Yeah, yeah. They well, won. also, that, apparently that, that, uh, that what they were supposed to meet anything got debunked. Um, I didn't see that it was debunked. Yeah, I saw I, that there was an offer. I heard there was conflicting reports about it. But there was an. No one has said there was no offer for a meeting. See, here's the only the thing. thing that's in if, debate is whether the Young Bucks initially agreed or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here, the thing is that, like, if you're boss, you have your people sit down and hash it out. And if not, you're gone. I don't care who you are. Exactly. Yeah. And but 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 again, they're executives of the company. Imagine an executive mm -hmm. pouting and saying, "Yeah, I'm not meeting with them." CM Punk technically is an underling to them. Yeah, uh, you know. literally, they're executive vice president of the company. He'd have to be a boss. He's not. A lot of that also feels very uh, planned, like to oust CM Punk. You know, really make him lose his temper, really make him. Yeah, go that's what off. people. That's what people have been saying. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, yeah. well, control yourself, grown man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But if you know he's got a history of this and you know, uh, you know, that he's willing to do it and you escalate it high enough, uh, you know, uh, what's the uh, what's the problem? Every every person has a has a, a breaking point and maybe CM Punk's is a lot 
like shorter. Uh, <laughs> shorter than other people's, and that's something he definitely needs to work on. Like I said, he's wrong. I just don't think he's the only person who is wrong. And I feel like there are a lot of people who are making it seem that way. But we have talked about this for way oh, longer I can than keep I thought. Going. We yeah, we can keep, we can keep Me going. Me too. This, yeah. I love to talk about wrestling. Um, thank you guys for hanging in there on the wrestling chatter. Appreciate all the comments. Um, I, uh, I am happy to be back. I appreciate all the welcome back. It's been great. This was a great episode. Real quick, I want to shout out the Patreon page once again, patreon.com slash thecomicspals. You can help us out by supporting us over there. We always give you bang for your buck. There's a lot more uh, talk about my trip, my vacation over there as well. Photos. My newsletter if you yeah. want to see that. Actual photos. Yes, yeah. exactly. Real photo. Uh, you can vote in the book club poll. You get a nickname and a shout out on the main show, which is every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. This show is live Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Vote in the listener pick poll, which goes up every Friday, to determine what book we'll be reading on this show. Um, uh, come for the main show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Not a busy week in, in news, but uh, we've got some things to talk about, to say the least. Um, for everything else at the Comics Pals, you guys know how to get us. Join our Discord. It's the best way to interact with us if you are so inclined. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week.